0: When I say, can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Can you dig it? Can, 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 can,
1: can. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's been a little while, but we're back with an episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by com, I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, joined by, or I should say reunited with Jacob Rude, because it has been a minute since we've done a podcast together, Jacob. It feels good to be back. Not that I have uh, any ill will towards any of my (laughs) other hosts. I actually really enjoy podcasting with Sabrina, and we'll be back with another show tomorrow. Uh, But this feels like home, Jacob, even though you are technically... uh, my second husband, my second podcast husband, uh, I feel at home with you. So thank despite you for being,
0: being your sloppy second, um, <laughs> I do appreciate it. Yeah. It's been, we were getting too powerful, I think. And, uh, they had to break us up. Uh, we were unfair <laughs> to the league. So, um, they split us up for a bit, but, uh, yeah, we're back together. And, um, Ready to get reckless because I have some some takes about uh the Rockets after
1: tonight. Well, okay. So for anybody that didn't stay up to watch a game seven of NBA playoff basketball, I'm sorry. Um, I'm assuming you have a really important job, which is, you know, in this economy, a very good thing. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. A hat tip to you. Uh, but it was I mean, if you don't have to get up early for your job or don't live on the East coast. Uh, I don't know what you were doing. Cause it was loads of fun and not just like good basketball fun. It was like, what is this kind of fun? Which is, <laughs> I think the most like, it's the best kind of fun when you're watching basketball.
0: It was substantially better than the nuggets jazz game <laughs> seven. Like they reached the final score of nuggets jazz, By the end of the third quarter, the Rockets and Thunder did tonight. So after watching that horrendous game on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday's Game 7 was substantially better. But boy, the ending of that game was as horrendous as I can remember. They were awful.
1: And that is great news for the Lakers because the Rockets and Thunder were really just playing for an opportunity to lose to the Lakers in the second round. And if you want to clip that, put it in your little receipt box, that is fine. I have supreme confidence in the Lakers coming out of this. Um, I mean, we've talked about in depth before how fearful we are of the Rockets as a threat in the playoffs. Uh, And I think that's still kind of true. My thing is, Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind right now. And if he's making shots at the rate he is, which you know, I don't know if anybody can make shots at the rate he is forever. Um, And LeBron James' playoff LeBron James, feel pretty good. Um, The Rockets still don't have a big. The Lakers have a few. Dwight Howard's gotten some good burn in the playoffs, and I'm sure he's going to want to show out uh, against his former team. A lot of narrative that play here, but... Before we dive into any of that, the second round preview stuff, uh, which our colleagues on the network have done already some, Um, let's talk about this game and this league, because boy, did it feed me on Wednesday. So let's, let's start with the game as a whole. Lots of fun. I think... For like the, the the Thunder obviously didn't advance, uh, but for them to have even gotten this far, I know it's only the first round, but to force a seven game series against the Thunder uh, is pretty damn impressive considering where they were at the start of the season. I did not personally have them making the playoffs. I don't think a lot of people did, but here they were, a game away from punching their ticket to a second round matchup with the Lakers, which. I personally would have preferred, but, um, you know, Scott Foster, Billy Donovan, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari all had different plans, I guess.
0: I'd be interested to see, I know you and I did a, I don't know if it was a playoff preview or if we just ranked Western Conference teams in the off season, just to see where we ranked the Thunder, because I don't even, I don't think I had them as a playoff team. I don't th- I mean, to be brutally honest, I don't think the Thunder had themselves as a playoff team, at least the front office, coming into the season, because they were open to try to trade Chris Paul if they could find the right deal. And right. Um, I'm sure the same with Gallo and maybe Steven Adams. Um, and instead, yeah, that was a heck of a season for the Thunder. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do now. If they try to uh, I guess keep this group together um, or if they still commit to a kind of a rebuild um, I would say Chris Paul's stock or trade value I should say is not going to be higher than it is right now because he was incredible all season he was incredible for the vast majority of this playoff series um, he looks like he never lost a step. Um, he's a, I have such a weird, like feeling or relationship toward Chris Paul, because like, I respect the hell out of him. And there are moments watching him where I'm like amazed at what he's able to do. But then there's like, he just flops all over the place and yells <laughs> at the refs. And yeah. Just that whole aspect of his game. I absolutely despise, but, uh, He 100% is worthy of the point god nickname. Um, I think Royce Young had an article tonight I just saw that uh, called him the point god. I know that's been a nickname. I would 100% call him that. Um, He dictated so much of what the Thunder did this series. He was dragging them to game seven at times, especially in game six. Um, How well he performed in game seven. Uh, I mean, I guess technically he had a triple-double, but he was 5 of 11 and had six turnovers and was atrocious in the clutch. (laughs) Um, The whole Thunder team was in general. Chris Paul on Monday um, very much said and was right in saying some people are built for it and some aren't about the clutch. And uh, on Wednesday... In a little under four minutes, with the game uh, decided by five points or less, had an offensive rating of 33.3, a defensive rating of 50, and a net rating of negative 16.7. That is as atrocious as it gets. <laughs> um, I was going to slander whoever lost this game anyway. Uh, but, yeah, boy, the, the Thunder really, I think, really choked this one away tonight.
1: Yeah, I. it's so funny because seeing Chris Paul go fool, and I mean fool, can I speak to your manager, at the end of that <laughs> game was incredible. Like we've seen it at various points of his career, but this is game seven, playoff life on the line, probably the most he's enjoyed playing with the team in a while. Um, just really like, you know, you know what Chris Paul reminds me of is um, when you're playing like Monopoly or a board game with somebody and you have house rules and they're just like, that's not how you play it. Play by the book. Yeah. Uh, Scott Foster played with house rules, I think. And Scott Foster always playing with house rules. <laughs> I think uh, – I, I mean, I've always felt a certain type of way about Scott Foster, but this tweet – from Mark Spears, that is a quote from Chris Paul. Uh, I'm going to read it because every time I read it, it gets more and more unreal. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Spears tweeted, Thunder guard Chris Paul says referee Scott Foster made a point to tell him before the game seven loss to the Thunder tonight that he also refed his game seven loss to the Spurs in 2008 when CP was with the Hornets. And tweet, why in God's name? Would a ref tell a player that before a game, unless he was confident that he was going to influence the result again?
0: So I tweeted this uh, during the whole insanity at the end of the game. You may have seen it. It's a question I want to pose to the listeners as well. Who has more irrational self-confidence, Scott Foster or Jordan Clarkson?
1: (laughs) So, okay. Okay. I think they're probably on even ground. The <laughs> difference is Jordan Clarkson could be subbed out as much as he hates it. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson's fav- like least favorite rule in the NBA playbook is that there are subs. Scott Foster can't be subbed out. He- whatever you get with him is-, is what you get. You can't argue it. Um, you can save yourself from Jordan Clarkson. Scott Foster is is a one-way ticket. To hell, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a truly odd game. Like I, I, Lou Dortz almost saved the Thunder season. Lou Dortz had the most field goal attempts in this game for both teams. He was ten of twenty one. Next closest was Russ at nine of twenty. He had thirty points. I can't, I believe the exact stat was. Uh, players 25 and younger to have 30 points in a game seven are LeBron, Kobe, Lou Dortz. Um, just esteemed company. I guess that means Lou Dortz is destined for MVPs and titles.
1: My nickname for him is uh, a play on Darth <laughs> Maul. Um, I also <laughs> tweeted that he is built like. Um, when they do the Fry Cook Olympics in Spongebob, the <laughs> big, muscly, the guy that just goes out and goes, ah, that mm-hmm. is what Lou Dort looks like to me. That guy is jacked. The most jacked NBA player I've seen in person, with no disrespect to LeBron James and Dwight Howard, who are very strong men, uh, is Josh Hart. Um, which, I that might surprise a lot of people, but that guy is built like a sack of potatoes, and in a He's good thick. way. Yeah, he, like... I don't know what percentage of body fat he is, but it's less than zero. Like, he is (laughs) straight muscle. Uh, Uh, But it it was...
0: It should be... I mean, it should be a good sign to Laker fans, I think. Because Lou Dort, uh, as good as he was offensively, was incredible defensively. Not just tonight, but this whole series. And James Harden was... I thought useless for most of tonight. Uh, it should probably be a good sign to Laker fans that Lou Dort was able to get so far inside James Harden's head that he. I mean, I'll I'll pull up his series stats, but I didn't think he was good, pretty much the whole series, unless I'm, forgetting like a big
1: game he had. Um, and Russell Westbrook, Westbrook really wasn't good. Like no, I I don't have uh, obviously I don't have the last like three minutes of the game uh, on hand and this isn't like an audio platform. So I can't play it even if I did, but good Lord, Russell Westbrook, I think towards the end of the game, try to put the rockets up by taking it into the basket and either via a layup or a floater or a hook shot. I don't know what he was doing at the end, but he had so many shots at the rim that he just (laughs) clanked off. And I understand the expectation is not for the Rockets to be an elite re- rebounding team, but every time it clanked off of the rim, I, like me as a non-Rockets fan, seeing like the rebound kick graft from, from the way it bounced off of the rim just broke my heart for Russell Westbrook. So yeah, not a not a great series for either of them and definitely not a great game seven.
0: Yeah, so Harden... I mean, I say he didn't have a great series and he averaged just shy of 30, <laughs> but he only shot 31% from three on over 11 attempts a game, 46% from the field. Um, it's, I mean, a lot of his damage as always comes at the free throw line. Um, Russ came back and looked rusty as hell. No All pun right. intended. Okay. Uh, and sorry, I didn't mean to to sound like Anthony there. That was actually <laughs> that was actually unintended. But uh, it's so weird with this Rockets team because they shoot so many threes, and that's always the fear with them. Um, just the amount of threes they get up, and that one night they could go off. They are almost bang average of a league average three-point shooting team, I believe league average is 35.8. And in this series, they shot 35.9% on 51 attempts a game. So they are literally just quantity over quality and hoping that a couple games will catch fire and they'll be able to make up the difference just in the amount of threes they shoot. Because in all honesty, they're just a average three-point shooting team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're going to put a pin in that and go right back to it after the break uh, because I think that is probably the main talking point when it comes to their matchup with the Lakers. So uh, we'll we'll get into that when we get back. The Rockets like to shoot three-pointers, and they do not care who knows. They wanted the whole league to know because they traded literally every big man on the roster not named Tyson Chandler. They traded Clint Capella away. Uh, they might have traded – or, sorry, they might have waived, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Isaiah Harnstein, is it? I
0: think um, he might still be there. Nene, I think, was the one they may have gotten rid of. I don't even know who the big men left them. They don't play, so it seems kind of pointless to remember them. But, yeah, I don't remember who's all on their roster.
1: The point is, they are a prolific three-point shooting team, even if they're not a great three-point shooting team. As Jacob mentioned, they uh, average 51.3 attempts per game uh, in the their playoff series. Actually, 51%, sorry. I was still looking at the uh, non-updated stats. On 35.9% shooting from the field. Uh, the Lakers are a distant, distant 11th place <laughs> with uh-huh. 35 three-point attempts per game on 34.3% shooting from the field. Uh, or sorry, from from three-point range. I think that is my biggest concern, more than anything going into this series, is perimeter defense and three-point shooting. When the Rockets are hot and making their three-point shots, they are a very scary team. When they're not, they're an average basketball team because they're kind of limited to what they can do on offense beyond make open three-pointers, which, again, with the talent they have on the roster, It's designed for them to succeed in doing that, uh, unless you count Russell Westbrook. But beyond that,
0: the Lakers –
1: sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I would go a step further and say that they're a bad basketball team when the threes aren't going in because that is their game plan. And they – by getting rid of the center position, they're basically just sacrificing rebounds – and saying we're going to make more threes, and you can get rebounds. They get destroyed on the glass, um, pretty much every game, and they just assume that they're the three pointers they make are going to um, compensate for the rebounds they don't get. And like you said, at times when they go in, they're a really scary team. That's just always the worry with them is that if they in a seven game series, if they get hot two or three times then it's a really uh close series so it's it's kind of playing with fire a bit on both sides like the Rockets I guess for whatever reason decided this was their best chance at winning a title uh the numbers seem at least the uh, analytics the metrics if you want to look at 538 all that stuff seems to think that that's the odds or the the analytical approach to it but after watching that first round, I mean, like you you were saying earlier to clip it, you can clip this, but I'm I'm not worried about the Rockets after watching that first round.
1: Yeah, I think okay. So the argument for the Rockets is three point shooting, James Harden, and if he looks better than he did uh, on Wednesday night, Russell Westbrook because. Earlier in the season, the Lakers had trouble with Russ because he's basically like a point center. He -hmm. just bullies his way in the paint, uh, and there's nothing that many of the Lakers' bigs can do about that. Now, I, I wrote about this earlier in the week. The first time we saw Kyle Kuzma look good on defense or look at least impressive on defense, was the night the Lakers were really struggling with Russ in their first matchup with the Rockets. And Frank Vogel said, I, what the hell? We'll throw Kuz on him and see if he can disrupt him with his length." The answer was yes, he could. He moved his feet well, put his arms up, and made life pretty hard on Russ and was a big part in them, uh, in them winning that game. Kuz is a more disciplined defender now he has to worry less about defending Russ on the perimeter. It it really is just closing off that driving lane to the basket and forcing him to make those mid-range jumpers, which the Lakers can live with. Um, So that's the reason I'm optimistic about Russell Westbrook. The perimeter defense in general, I am less confident about. Uh, I think Danny Green and Alex Caruso are... Obviously going to be very tired at the end of this series because uh, mm-hmm. one of them will have to pick up James Harden. Uh, you can throw Contavious Caldwell-Pope in there, but the metrics do not smile upon him favorably in uh, the playoffs as, as far as guarding elite guards. Dane cooked him every time he was on him. So um, in, in that regard, I am worried, but I don't know if I said it on air it's everything's a blur it's like James Harden said about the last three minutes of that that <laughs> game it, it, it's all a blur I don't remember Um, I don't know if I said it off air or on air on this show but the my biggest source of optimism beyond Kyle Kuzma's newfound defensive versatility is Anthony Davis's shot making ability because I think if Your if you're Frank Vogel and your plan is post up the Rockets because they're small and they can't handle AD, the Rockets will live with that. Yeah. If your plan, if you're Frank Vogel is have Anthony Davis get whatever he wants in the post, make him the primary ball handler whenever LeBron James isn't on the floor, and let him create shots. I think if you're the Rockets, you say you throw your hands up and go, Well, you know, we made it this far.
0: gonna be interesting, too, because uh, somebody pointed this out, how easily the Rockets switch defensively. LeBron is just going to have his pick of whoever he wants in pick-and-roll scenarios. Yes. Um, I don't specifically know. I mean, I Eric Gordon probably is going to be high on that list just because of size, Um Russ, maybe, just because he's so much bigger than him. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see Austin Rivers if he's out there. Um, But he's going to have his pick of who he wants, um, especially late in games. He's just going to be able to switch on whoever he thinks he has an advantage on. Um, Now, the Rockets also have just size on the wing. I don't know. I know a lot of people have said that they have guys that can guard LeBron, based on how LeBron was playing the last couple games of the Portland series, I don't know how much that really matters. Yeah. Um, Because him and AD, like you mentioned about AD earlier, him and AD were incredible by the end of that series. Um, It's going to be the same thing with AD, really. He can manipulate it however he wants to get whoever he wants on him. Um, I will say having – after that Portland series – I'm actually a lot more confident in the Lakers because, and I know Alex and Alex mentioned this on yesterday's pod, um, Frank Vogel, I thought, did really, really well and the coaching staff as a whole. Um, First coming up with a game plan and then being willing to change that game plan mid-game, mid-series. They adapted throughout and now they're going to have had I don't even know how long it's been, close to a week um, between games. I think they played on Sunday, Saturday. Uh, They played Saturday, and they're going to play Friday. So six days um, to game plan for this team. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't know how much you really – I know in the past teams have thrown doubles at Harden. He's not playing all that well. I don't know that you necessarily need to do that right now, but I'm just kind of interested to see do they maybe play some zone and dare them to kind of shoot and shoot them out of the zone um, with especially how average they've been. Um, I'm also curious to see do they stick with the two big lineup from the start. Can they get away with that at the beginning of games or do they basically just tell AD, listen – you have to play center in this series. Um, he's not banging with anybody in this series, PJ Tucker. But I mean, he has a about a foot on him. Um, so I don't know. I'm really interested to see how Vogel and the coaching staff attack this uh, this Houston team because it's such an odd team. Um, but I mean, they've had a week to prepare for him, so I'm going to be really, really kind of fascinated by that.
1: The other thing I am really interested in beyond just the AD matchup, and I i already know, I almost feel stupid saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> if there was ever a time for Rondo to come back into the lineup and be a factor out of the pick and roll, it is this series. Because if you're going to win this series, you're going to run a lot of pick and roll. And Rondo, for all of his faults, knows how to play the pick and roll with Anthony Davis, like as well as anybody on the team, except maybe LeBron James. Again, I know it's crazy. If he's used sparsely, and when (laughs) James Harden and Russell Westbrook aren't on the court, I think he adds some value to this specific series. That being said, I want to note that Alex Caruso got more ball handling duties in that first round, particularly out of the pick and roll, and was very successful in doing it. Outside of, like, he had a rough start uh, to game five. Uh, I almost said game six, but that's giving Portland too much credit, I think. Um, And he looked good. Don't know if he's the guy, like, I still think whether it's Waiters or Rondo, he's all, or LeBron, obviously, um, as long as there's a ball handler on the court next to him, I always think that's when you're going to get the most out of him. But for this next series, if Rondo gets JR's minutes that he's been getting, which is around 15 minutes per game, and they're all with Anthony Davis... That would not be the worst thing for the Lakers. Jacob, you probably disagree. I do not blame you. Uh, this is really just me trying to give Rondo the benefit of the doubt because I think, especially in in the first game, watching that game, I thought, boy, wouldn't it be nice if the Lakers had somebody that could handle the damn ball that wasn't LeBron James. Um, and I know a lot of us felt that same way about the first game against the Clippers, I personally would have preferred it to be Dion Waiters in both of those situations. Dion wasn't even on the Lakers the first game of the season, uh, but it would have been nice. I don't know if we'll see Dion again. Waiters Island is underwater right now. I think. What was that?
0: Sorry, I broke up. Uh, oh, I think okay. we'll see Dion this series. I mean, I, I think the reason they didn't play him last series is because CJ and. Dame were basically playing forty-two minutes a night, mm-hmm. and at any second could just go off for like twelve straight points. Um, this series that doesn't exist. I bet I would say Dion and Jr. both will get. I mean Jr. did get kind of an odd amount, oddly high amount of playing time. I'd imagine yeah. that's where most of Rondo's minutes will come from. Is the minutes Jr. But I think Dion will play. Uh less there'll be less minutes for Dwight and JaVale, I think. Mm, more good point. M- more minutes for I think it'll almost be game by game. Markeef maybe a little bit. Kuzma maybe a
1: little bit. Maybe uh, even Deon. Dudley. I I don't know if you read, but uh our own Sabrina merchant wrote a really good column on um Markeefe Markeef Morris's value to the team so far. And like the premise of it was that he's kind of just been like a neutral value for the Lakers. And I think like, obviously there's the actually, I don't know. Are the more, are the Morris brothers still with clutch?
0: I don't think they are
1: anymore. Point is <laughs> there's <laughs> obviously some connection there. Um, call it locker room politics or just like his age and mobility. Uh, Markeef has earned a role with the Lakers. I'd be interested personally in seeing what Jared Dudley can do in spot minutes against the Rockets. Like, because I think he's a better help defender than Marquise Morris. I think he's a better shooter. And this is my argument like, this is my argument against Kyle Kuzmo before he started playing well is like, okay, you got Dudley and Marquise that can do the job that you're trying to do. You have to be better at something. Uh, Lo and behold, he has. But I don't know if that gap between Mark Keith and Dudley is as big as a lot of people make it out to be. Uh, so if Dudley gets some burn, I would not hate it, uh, especially in, in this matchup with the Rockets.
0: I think Keefe has been a good pickup. I mean, he was for nothing. So um, I think he's been a good pickup. I think he's been good value but I think at times the idea of Marcus or Markeith Morris is better than what Markeith Morris has largely been with the Lakers. Um, So I do think we'll see some funky lineups. Maybe Dudley gets some run this series. Um, Like I said, I don't know how much you can even get away with playing the two big lineup. Um, I know they tried it in the regular season, To varying degrees of success um I just think it's going to be real hard for eight because if you play that two big lineup AD basically has to guard like a Robert Covington or a Daniel House or something like that um and still JaVale and Dwight have to guard a PJ Tucker um and I just don't really know that there's a lot of value I mean your main value with that is getting a whole bunch of rebounds and kind of controlling the paint and the rockets just don't really go to the rim that much anyway. Um, So I don't know how much value that has. Um, I mean, I guess there's some value in basically just getting every rebound (laughs) if if that's what you're looking to go for. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how much, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they try it in game one at the start, but they should probably have a pretty quick hook on JaVale or Dwight or whoever right. the big is um, if things start going poorly. And this is just this is just going to be a series where AD has to suck it up. If it's really that big of a deal, he's just going to have to suck it up and play center um, because that's how we're going to get – through this series and get closer to a title,
1: Jacob. Give me one bold prediction. It can be <clears throat> what you think the series will end in, it could be a standout player or a, a disappointing player. Um, I just need one solid, bold prediction from you.
0: Bold, um, I don't know necessarily a player I'm trying to go through. I mean, I said I thought Dion would play. I don't know that I'm ready to go that bold. Um, I'll say I think the Lakers win this in five games is my bold prediction. Um, I really – I mean, maybe I'm just taking too much away from tonight. I watched multiple games in this series. The Rockets just aren't playing well. Like, I yep. thought the Thunder were playing pretty terribly for most of the night. I th- They had, like, 17 turnovers, like – fairly early in the second half, and we're still in the game. The Rockets just aren't really clicking right now. Um, And I was just so impressed by how the Lakers handled that Portland series, especially after game one. I'm not nearly as worried about the Rockets as I thought I I would be. So if I had to do a bold prediction, I would say Lakers in five.
1: That is pretty bold. My, I think, safer prediction is that It'll go to six games. I think the Lakers win the first two. Rockets take game three. Uh, Lakers take game four. Rockets take game five. And the Lakers take it home with game six. Um, If that ends up happening, I'm sorry. I would also like it to end in five. My bold prediction is that Dwight Howard has a big series. I am really into narratives. I think Dwight Howard really wants to beat the Rockets and James Harden. Uh, I think his rebounding is invaluable to the team. Um, I do not want to compare him to Steven Adams for like a multitude of reasons. I just think they're like pretty different players, even like this iteration of Dwight. Uh, But the four guard lineup you saw with OKC with Steven Adams, just cleaning up the boards with how much Vogel has trusted Dwight so far in the playoffs, which I think before the postseason started, I kind of, said that I wouldn't be surprised if to see Vogel lean on the veteran guys, whether it's Rondo, LeBron, Danny Green, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, um, when they get in those tough situations. And I think I've been proven a little bit right with how much he's used Dwight. um, I would not be at all surprised if Dwight Howard, if if they didn't go full small uh, and kept Dwight Howard on the court, whenever Anthony Davis wasn't on the court. So that is my bold prediction. Uh, I won't give a stat line because I don't expect his impact to show up that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think he will. He will have a big series.
0: I like that, and <clears throat> I like that a lot, actually, because I thought Dwight played really well in the Portland series. Um, he doesn't get enough credit for how smart of a player he is. Um, he. I thought he played really well against Nurkic. Um, he was maybe a bit too aggressive at times. He got in foul trouble a couple times. Um, a lot of the kind of – it's a diplomatic way of saying this. Uh, basically the dirty things you can do and get away with in the regular <laughs> season, the, yes. the hands on the end of the ribs or things like that, um, those types of things. He wasn't getting away with in the playoffs, which you typically don't. But um, he he was still an impactful player, and I think at this point, he's the more trusted of the bigs between him and JaVale. So I think if the Lakers do go small, it's going to be four guards or wings around Dwight. So, yeah, I actually like that. I think Dwight will have a pretty big series.
1: Well, uh, next time we talk, which I'm judging by our podcast schedules and in the post-game shows, I don't know when the next time we <laughs> will talk. Uh, but by the next time you guys hear my voice again, there will – actually, that's not true. I'm doing a show with Sabrina. Next week, <laughs> when we're back <laughs> we'll with a there. show, the Lakers will have already played a game against the Rockets. Hopefully, uh, none of our predictions look too silly. Uh, but if they do, you know – can find us on twitter at rad or at jacob rude um you were supposed to give one of our twitter handles as at hm fagan (laughs) (laughs) and uh that that'll do it for us this week jacob felt good to be back uh and and you'll hear from me again tomorrow so I'll, i'll see you then